0: Hi, Patty, for leading us this morning. It's so good to see you. You know, I'm reminded of the, the old preacher story about the couple that was celebrating their 50th anniversary and and they lived a relatively simple life. And so they were enjoying a nice candlelight dinner at home that evening for their 50th wedding celebration. And they began their conversation. And sometimes the husband was a little hard to talk to, especially about some of these more emotional things and And uh, so they began to talk, and and, uh, she said, you know, she said, the one thing I wish is you you just, you haven't told me you love me. He said, well, I told you I loved you when we got married. (laughs) Well, it would be nice to hear, you know, along the way. And he said, well, I told you I loved you when we got married, and if I ever change my mind, you'll be the first to know. (laughs) You know, there's no perfect marriage, is there? But you know what? Isn't it exciting? Isn't it wonderful to see the testimony of those who said, you know, we've been married 50 years plus. And as Vicky shared earlier today, uh, yesterday, right here, we filled this whole section here with those who've been married for more than 50 years from 50 all the way to 66 years and had 20 plus couples, as Vicky said, uh, representing over a thousand years of marriage. And I'll give them a Benefit of the doubt, there's two of them in that marriage. So over 2,000 years of marriage represented by just those couples that were able to come yesterday. So I I thought it would be very appropriate for us today to celebrate with them and to acknowledge them. Yet I also acknowledge that in a diverse congregation like this, that even coming to the place where we would step back and say, we want to celebrate and acknowledge those who have been married 50 years, that that could be a very emotional proposition and theme for you. You see, that there are some that, because of life, had wonderful marriages but weren't able to get to 50 years, as one went on to be with the Lord. There are those who entered into a marriage with the intent the desire to make it last till death do us part, and the truth and the reality of marriage is that it takes two to make a marriage work. And sometimes there are those that make the choice to walk out of and to leave a marriage and a family. Yet, does that mean we should not celebrate those who by God's grace and by by just the life that they've been able to share, have been able to get to this place where they have been married 50 years I tried to find some statistics, and and there there really weren't any good statistics, but the best I could find was that only one out of 20 couples make it to 50-plus years of marriage. That's 5% of all those that get married make it to this time of celebration. So, I know we had a group here last night, but we also have some here today that weren't a part of last night's uh, time together. And we have some that are here that are widowed or widowers that... They were married more than 50 years as well. If you uh, experienced or are experiencing 50 plus years of marriage, would you stand right now and just let us celebrate that with you? Look around. The yeah. The choir? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you for your life, the example that you've offered, not just to your children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, but to all of us who share life with you at First Baptist and for being that witness in our community. Father, thank you for these that have given testimony to this lifelong love, relationship, and experience. May they be an encouragement to us. And Lord, as we approach this morning with, with all kinds of emotions, maybe grief, sadness but also amidst the joy. We'd ask that you be with us. Give us insight during these times. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there's a popular song that uh, kind of reflects the title of the the sermon. Maybe it was subconsciously stuck back there when I decided through the years would be a good theme for my words today. Some of you may be more familiar with this song than I do. It came back to me and, and I thought, I wonder what... The text says a song that came out several years ago. Uh, I think Kenny Rogers was the author, the singer of that. But listen to these words as he describes this lifelong marriage. He says, I can't remember. Imagine being married 50 plus years. I can't remember when you weren't there. When I didn't care for anyone but you. We've been through everything there is. Can't imagine anything that we've missed. Can't imagine anything that the two of us can't do through the years through all the good and bad I knew how much we had I've always been so glad to be with you through the years it's better every day you've kissed my tears away as long as it's okay I'll stay with you through the years through the years when everything went wrong together we were strong I know that I belong right here with you through the years. I never had a doubt. We'd always work things out. I've learned what life is about by loving you through the years. In, in a very brief way, I think he captures here the joy, the challenges, the, the good and the bad of what marriage is about through the years. Of walking together together as God blesses you with life, with career, with family, and doing that for Him and His glory. So I wanted us to just take a few minutes to, to kind of step back and, and to look at the bigger, broader picture of marriage and then maybe to ask the question, what, what can we do? Those at 50 years, what can you do to get to 65? And those of us that are just starting out or maybe at 20 years, how can we continue through the years with each other? And maybe there'd be some here today that are on the front end of that, saying, you know what, I can't wait till I meet that person until I I find that person that I commit my life to. And maybe there'd be some wisdom and instruction for you today as well. First of all, let's turn to Matthew 19. Matthew 19, and certainly this is a passage that speaks primarily, it's a response of Jesus to the question of divorce. And I'm not wanting us to consider that today. But but the introductory comments, the way that Jesus sets this up, I think reveals some of His concepts and ideas uh, around marriage. And so let's uh, let's turn to Matthew 19. Verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing Him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And again, He's going to get to that answer that we're not going to talk about today. But... Here's here's this introductory comment that I want us to focus on. Have you not read that He, that God, that the Father who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. You know, I, I think that we forget... We are a sophisticated, highly cultured people here in the United States. But we forget that marriage is God's idea. Marriage was God's idea from creation. Have you not read that He who created them from the beginning made them male and female? He created us and then He... he, He called us, He created the opportunity for us to continue on in this marriage relationship in which we leave our homes, our homes of origin, and we come together, we cleave together, we come together in that intimate marriage relationship. You see, I I can't help but believe that God created with a concept and idea of marriage in mind. And part of His, the beauty of His creation is how are we going to create man and how are we going to explore all of the image of God in creation? And this is just my own opinion and interpretation, but it's as if God said, I can't do it with one of you. (laughs) I've got to create man and woman to really explore and, and, and discover and define and explain what the image of God is. And marriage then becomes a critical part of how we express and live out that image. And again, as I step back with the the parentheses and disclaimer, some have the gift of singleness, or maybe they don't call it the gift of singleness, but some of you find yourself in that that lot, in that place in life, and it certainly doesn't mean that if that's where you are, that there's anything less about you as an individual. But I believe God created... God created this idea of marriage. You know that the traditional, biblical, what I've just said and read here may be the most controversial thing that I could say today. Because marriage is such a controversial topic and, and issue here in our nation. And in our culture. We can't de- de- decide what it means as a people. And yet as we come back to the beginning, as we come back to creation the scripture. I think God, we must remember that God created marriage. So let's see what God has to say. Next, as we continue to read that passage, as we look down in verse 6, so there are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. Marriage is meant to last. Marriage is meant to last, I believe, is a lifelong commitment between a husband and a wife. Yet here's what statistics tell us. The average marriage in our nation today lasts less than 10 years. So for us to have a a congregation full of those who've been committed and married to each other for 50 plus years goes way, way beyond the national averages and national testimony of what marriage is. You see, marriage is meant to last. What God has joined together, what God has brought together together, let no man, let no one separate and break apart and tear apart. I can't help but believe is is in our nation we've moved from a, a covenantal understanding of, of marriage to a contractual understanding of marriage. Let, let me explain the difference. When I covenant with you in marriage, what I'm saying is that marriage depends on me. I, I'm going to commit to this marriage unconditionally. I, I'm going to Uh, make this covenant which depends upon me. When we enter into a contractual relationship, then then it depends on the other person. As long as you do this, as long as you don't do this, as long as this happens, then then we can see if we can make this work. And I want us to to reclaim that concept and idea that marriage is a covenant. Marriage begins with me. And again, I said earlier, there are those that, that as we move along and we discover that marriage does take two folks. And sometimes someone wants to, To move out of that covenant relationship. And then you have the one who's stuck saying, but I I made a covenant, commitment, till death do us part. Marriage, though, is meant to last. We must enter in. I've yet to marry the couple that we sat down in our premarital counseling and they said, you know, we're going to get married for a few years and then we're going to divorce. No, everyone enters in to marriage with the idea that they want it to last till death do us part. Lastly, I want us to consider this third idea. We have to go to Ephesians chapter 5. So move move me there to Ephesians 5. And as we we reflect on these passages that Jesus brings up in Matthew 19, it takes us back to the creation story. Some of the questions, why male and female? Why marriage? Why why till death do you part? And, And what I want to say is the answer the answer is part of the, a mystery, a mystery that comes out of the created order, a mystery that comes out of God's redeeming work. You see, marriage is a mystery. Now, we we could have this conversation with those who've been married for fifty plus years, and and why, How did you make it? Well, they they probably have some things, but if you got down to the heart of it, they might just say, "Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we made it, but we did." There's mystery. And I think Paul picks up on this in Matthew 5. He begins with the the primary teaching, the principal truth in verse 21. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Submit yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. This is a a broad, general uh, truth that all Christians are to embrace and, and to live out in their lives with each other, in community together, is that we subject ourselves to one another in Christ. But then it's interesting. It's interesting how Paul goes down to give application, an illustration of this truth. And he begins with the next, next verse. Wives. Now your translation probably says be subject, be submissive, whatever the, the verb, the way they translate it. But the reality, it's probably in italics. But, but the reality of the translation is that that verb is not there it 's supplied from the verse up above from verse twenty one so so the way it would say, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, wives to your own husbands, as to the Lord. The general principle has been stated, and then now here's the application for marriage for husbands and wives wives here's how you're to be subject to your husbands husbands he goes on here 's how you're to be subject to love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up to her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of of water with with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So he goes on to talk about the church and, and that relationship between Christ and the church as his bride. And it gets a little mysterious here. And we follow this down Husbands, in verse 28. Husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ the church because we are members of his body. And then here comes the mystery in verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In verse 32, this mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Wait a minute, Paul. I thought you were talking about how we live in community and we subject ourselves to one another, and, and then you start talking about marriage and how husband and wife are to, to work that out in their own relationship. And now you're talking about Christ in the church, and there's mystery. When God ordained and instituted marriage in Genesis, I believe he did so for the purpose of creating a picture, a picture intended to describe to describe and to give insight into the greatest mystery of all. And that is the intimate relationship that he desires with us through his son Jesus. Marriage as is portrayed, as is described, as is presented in Scripture, is that, that, that way, it's that illustration, it's that example that we are to, to be able to begin to understand the great mystery of Christ and His redeeming, saving work of His bride, the church. You see, there's mystery in marriage. There's mystery in this redeeming relationship that is shared between Christ and the church. Steve Green is another author, singer that many of you are aware of. I think he picks up on this idea, this concept in his song, Find Us Faithful. Here's part of the text of that song. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone... I believe he's talking to a a married couple, maybe a couple that's been married for several years or 50 years or so. And here's, here's what he says. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone and our children sift through all that we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road that we must each find. May our marriage somehow be a light to our children our grandchildren to those that we know a light that leads them to the path of Christ is what he's saying he goes on to say oh may all who come behind us find us faithful may the fire of our devotion light the way may the footprints that we leave lead them to believe you see there's a great mystery in this this beautiful relationship that God has ordained that we call marriage today. You see, the mystery of marriage is that it models the life of Christ with His bride, the church, and invites us to share in and experience that life of deep devotion and love and faithfulness. Have you embraced, have you discovered the mystery of marriage and how that marriage gives testimony to the work of Christ in this world i suspect that those who've been married through the years would relate to that and understand that as they would talk about and reflect on the years through the years so how do we build marriages that last let me just offer some some thoughts uh, and again we could have a long list or a short list we we could talk all kinds of different ways but let me just offer three thoughts for you to consider and ponder today as we talk about how can we build, how can we initiate and begin, how can we continue in marriages that last. First of all, I would just simply say, choose well. Seems pretty elementary, doesn't it? Choose well before you get married. It was interesting last night I asked, how many of you couples have met... Or met and began to date online. And, and none of them raised their hands. But you know what? That's that's a, that's a trend today. That's a way that, that people are getting at least initially to get to know someone. To get to know someone maybe to start it a little further along than what it would be if you just meet someone at random somewhere on the street or at school or at church or wherever. And, and so today... One of the tools, and it certainly can be abused and it can become an effective tool, is there's different ways to allow people to become involved and to meet each other. But it all comes back to this first thought, is we need to choose well. Now Paul says it this way in First Corinthians I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter six. It's again, a broader truth, but he says, "Do not be unequally yoked." And you can read that passage there. And he certainly is talking about, I think, any Christian being in relationship with anyone. And he's talking about about being yoked together. Marriage is just an application of this particular passage in Corinthians. It's not the application, but it is certainly an application. Part of choosing well in marriage is discovering as you mature, what does it mean to be yoked together in a healthy relationship? And that's where, again, we're visiting and counsel from friends and, and parents and others, grandparents. As you begin to know who you are, to join life with, to enter into marriage and relationship with someone that you're equally yoked with. If you begin a marriage unequally yoked, and you know the picture of the yoke, this is, is, is that's that tool in which an uh, oxen or, or cattle might be used, in which they're tied together with a yoke in which they're asked to work and to pull and to share the burden together. And so, the first point I think would be to simply to say, we need to choose well. We need to enter into a relationship equally yoked with each other. And certainly that has to do with our own faith and our, our, our personal beliefs, but it, it goes beyond that as well. And part of that unique challenge of every couple is discovering, what does it mean that we enter into this relationship equally yoked? The second thing I would say is be serious about your vows. Honor your vows. Marriage, and you guys will say, yeah, tell us something we don't know, but marriage is not for selfish people, Right? Marriage is not for selfish people. It's for the selfless. When marriage is going the best, it's because we we understand that. That we cannot be selfish in marriage. We have to submit, subject ourselves. We have to consider the other person as more important than ourselves. And we have to enter into that relationship in that way. Marriage cannot be entered into conditionally, but rather unconditionally. Unconditionally. Listen to these traditional wedding vows. Listen for these key words. Honor. Serve. Trust. Love. To be faithful. Words that are spoken in the context of grace. Forgiveness. Vulnerability. Words that are lived out in a home, in a place of second chances. I take you to be my wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, to have and to hold from this day forward. I promise to honor, to serve, and trust you for better or for worse. For richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, these folks who've been married for years understand you know marriage is wonderful in the better times, in the richer times, in the, the health-filled times, but marriage can also be deeply wonderful and meaningful in the poor times, in the unhealthy times. In the bad times, James five twelve says this: Let your yes be yes and your no be no. When you stand before a congregation, when you stand before God, when you stand before your your bride or your groom, and you make vows, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're not willing to honor and to commit to a life of honoring those vows, then don't enter in to that commitment, that relationship. Again, as we've talked about uh, several times, Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Understand what that means. And it means something different in every marriage, in every relationship. What it means to submit, to subject yourselves to each other. Work that out in your marriage. You see, life and marriage are not always easy. But we honor our vows by loving even when we don't feel loved. We honor our vows of being faithful, even in the midst of infidelity. We honor our vows by having and holding when others would seek to tear us apart. We honor our vows as we forgive each other and commit to strengthen our bonds each and every day. So we must choose well, The honoring your vows is not something that takes place once, but it's something that takes place every day as we live our lives. And then lastly, my thought would be to have in mind that we are going to finish well. I'm a little bit older than I used to be, and Gay and I celebrated 23 years of marriage this last year. But as I've had the chance, as I've grown and matured in ministry and in life, as I've had the privilege to sit with young, engaged couples and talk about this marriage that they're about to embark in, I've come to believe this with all my heart. Marriage is less about being young together, and it's more about growing old together. That's, that's what's so exciting about visiting with these couples who've been married for so long is that they, they're growing old together and they're telling the stories together and they're living life together, they're sharing it together and they've discovered a depth and a meaning and a joy in growing old together. You see, marriage is two people covenanting together in the Lord to live and share life as intimately as possible. Here's what I've shared, and I'd share this to all of our folks who've been married some time. And in your families, it may be, it may take a little different shape. But for those who've been married 50 plus years yesterday, I said, you all are the patriarchs and the matriarchs of your families. We had family and friends that gathered with us yesterday. And I said, you know, look behind you. None of those folks would be here if it wasn't for you two being married your matriarchs and your patriarchs, to your families, to our church, to our community. And as matriarchs and patriarchs, here's, what, here's my challenge. Tell us your stories. Open your heart to us concerning your journey together. Encourage us through the good times and the bad times. Leave your legacy so that we can celebrate and follow behind you. Finish well by continuing to honor and mature in your vows. Finish well as you enter into these days of dying together. You've shown us how to live together. Show us now how to move on and celebrate life and moving into eternity. Finish well. Reveal to us your fears. Let us walk with you during these days as you honor your vows till death do you part. I close with a blessing to all of you who are married. A blessing out of numbers. A blessing that encourages us to finish well and to live together. It's to the community of faith, but certainly... To couples and to families. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom, wellness in all areas of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift, the blessing of marriage. And Father, we know that the enemy is at work to rob and destroy marriage. And many here in this place have felt the wound, the hurt of that separation through divorce, through death, through whatever ways. But Father, we do celebrate and thank You for those who have made it through the years, who've discovered and continue to live out And fulfill those vows. Bless them in a special way. Father, encourage all of us today. Encourage us all to be covenant people. Covenant with you. With each other. Father, help us to see that in the mystery of marriage, we can get a glimpse of the mystery of how you invite each of us into deep, intimate relationship with you. As we sing this hymn, allow your spirit to minister And to move within us. I'll be at the front to receive those that that God is calling. You respond faithfully. As we stand and sing in these moments. Amen.